This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's Fun Friday. My name is Jeff Sandu. With scandal after scandal, the world seems to be turning its back on the tech industry. Hold on. Don't exchange your smartphone for tin cans and string and replace Wikipedia with that big book of pub quiz questions just yet. Let Culture Pop's Matt Amatech have one last attempt at reasoning with you. Yes, it's time to Matt's plane. Hey Matt, it's it time. Hey Matt, is it game over for technology? Hey, Jeff. Um, it kind of looks that way, doesn't it? Um, my good old friend Elon has been in the uh, news again this week. Uh, <laughs> on uh, Tuesday, a mm. Tesla reported to be in autopilot mode, which is, of course, the semi-autonomous driving mode, crashed into, of all things, a stationary police car in Laguna Beach, <laughs> California, pretty yeah. much writing off the police car. <laughs> now, this appears to be the third time that a Tesla allegedly in autopilot mode, mm. has hit another car uh, this year. Uh, of course, this is on top of the fatal accident that an Uber test car was involved in at the end of March this year. And on top of that, this week, Musk also mused about setting up a media credibility <laughs> rating site. And this is kind of the point. Nothing says Bond villain more than questioning the credibility of mm. negative portrayals of yourself in the media. In this era of fake news, that kind of behavior is not very helpful. So you don't think it's sincere? Well, it goes back to what we've been talking about over the last year or two. You know, the tech industry has been used to having fairly uncritical support of mm. the media and the public. They haven't been subjected to the kind of routine and normal scrutiny that we typically give to public listed companies. All of that seems to have turned around and changed in the last sort of 12 to 18 months yeah. because the tech industry isn't such a new thing anymore. A lot of these companies aren't the new kids on the block. They're <laughs> mature, they're valuable, they may not be profitable, but they are mature and valuable companies. And a lot of the tech entrepreneurs seem to have an allergy to the kind of critical uh, appraisal that most corporate CEOs are used to. Look at Volkswagen, for example, mm. a traditional company that occupies much the same space as Tesla. Now, as we know, Volkswagen has been embroiled in its own scandals over the last few years. But I don't seem to recall the company's CEO deciding to start up his own media <laughs> rating site. Do you think it really does any damage? Well, there are a couple of different sides to this. You know, you have an outpouring of stories that undermines our fundamental trust in technology and technological institutions. And instead of rushing to shore up those breaches, as you'd expect most CEOs to do, yeah. the tech CEOs seem to compound their mistakes either with wild overreactions that anyone could question their genius <laughs> yeah. or attempts like Facebook's announcement last week that people should now trust it with their naked photos. You mean the crazies who want to yell fake news every 20 seconds? Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. You know, we can't trust the media because it's fake news. We can't trust <laughs> social media because they spread fake news. So you see this massive erosion of mm. trust in institutions in general. It, 
it's also when you start to see stories like this week's announcement by the government of Papua New Guinea that it's going to close Facebook down for two weeks while it comes up with ways to combat fake news. I think we have to be very wary of anyone using the term fake news mm, as a proxy mm. for any news that they don't like or something that runs contrary to policies that they're trying to implement or uphold. Uh, one of the big issues with legitimizing the idea of fake news in democratic countries is it, that it can then be used against supposed dissidents or opponents in less democratic nations to punish and suppress their voices. Hmm. Wow, light for uh, <laughs> Friday morning, right? Yeah, well, we spoke earlier this year about the neo-Luddite movement. Do you see this as being part of the same phenomenon? Well, we've had this idea, you know, of turning your back on technology gaining currency over the past year, you know, this idea that all technology is bad. We don't trust the media, mm. yet we trust the people who go on to media shows and technology can't <laughs> be trusted. You know, it's all these kind of silly things. Um, and we're told especially that technology companies can't be trusted, that we should delete our social media profiles, that we should mm. switch off our technology. Every little fault is a reason that the technology is evil, ill-thought-out, or dangerous. And the tech industry actively helps people think this way rather than putting mm. a positive case forward. Uh, one of the things we talked about in Geeks last week was the way that companies like Google are essentially using us as guinea pigs when they're testing devices like autonomous cars mm. because these machines are still in their development stage, albeit a fairly advanced development stage. Because they're out on our roads and they're among us in, in public. Well, yeah, because there are very real risks associated with mm. that kind of technology, like the Uber accident that I mentioned earlier. Uh, what I don't think is helpful is this kind of reactionary response from people along the lines of all technology is bad. On the one hand, it's kind of stupid because everything we have in our lives is to some degree technology. Yeah. Uh, if you reject technology, then you go back to living in caves and underneath palm fronds. And there are plenty of creatures in the natural kingdom uh, that fashion and use tools. Uh, I read or rather listened to a funny and scary story in a book by Bill Bryson this week. He was talking about a farmer who was losing a lot of hen's eggs to rats. He couldn't understand why there wasn't any mess in the hen house. There were no broken shells. There were no built egg whites or yolks on the floor. Hmm. So he sent someone to spy on the hens at night. And what he found out was astonishing. One rat would take an egg and roll over, holding the egg until it was lying on its back, oh. holding the egg with its paws. Another rat would then drag <laughs> the rat by its tail back to the nest where they could then eat the egg in peace hmm. and safety. So if rats can make sleds, why on earth are we going to throw away all our technology? I don't think they're saying we should do away without any technology. But who chooses what technology we, uh, mm, we use and don't mm, use? You know, I can only read because of my glasses. Think of all the equipment that is required to find me the correct prescription and make those glasses. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I have to say I don't have much time for the anti-technology brigade. Yeah, yeah. Of course, not every technology is good in the same way that not every flavor of ice cream is good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm astonished that sweet corn and red bean ice cream even exist. <laughs> hey, here in red, Malaysia... Hey, red bean ice cream is all right, though. <laughs> precisely. Here in Malaysia, there are plenty of people crazy enough to actually enjoy them. All right. Is it conspiracy theory time? Okay, I don't want to get into kind of conspiracy kind of stuff. 
You know, mm-hmm. Roseanne Barr lost her show this week. <laughs> I don't want to be the next casualty, so I'll keep my comments about squid people to myself. Uh, it plays into the hands of people who really don't want you to have the information you need to make good decisions. Uh, one of mm. the stories we'll be talking about in this week's Geeks is about new advances in technology to detect melanoma. And that technology is far more efficient than doctors in detecting the early stages of the cancer, mm. and that makes it far easier to treat and survive. I don't think we should be using technology as a proxy for the things we don't like, whether they're CEOs, politicians, news media, or social media sites. But they are bad actors. Of course, you've only got to watch an episode of Riverdale to realise that. (laughs) Um, You know, there are bad actors in every industry. Uh, Mm. This week, a court found the magician David Copperfield to be negligent. Does that mean we turn our back on all magicians? Mm. Does that mean we stop believing in magic? No, of course not. But with tech, we kind of have this knee-jerk response. One thing is bad, so it's all bad. I mean, I mentioned Riverdale just now. Does Riverdale make Netflix bad? No, Netflix is awesome. Without social media... Netflix would be the closest thing I have to a relationship with another human being. So when we take those knee-jerk positions, we're putting ourselves in a very precarious situation. So aren't people right to question the notion that technology is neutral, though? Aren't we right to look at the underlying motivations that technology companies have? Absolutely, and that's what we do on this show, I hope, Mm. week in, week out. (laughs) We know that technology is not neutral. Ooh, the infamous Culture Pop stabbing fork. Yeah, I'm hoping that one day people will quote Culture Pop's fork the way they quote (laughs) Occam's razor. Um, If I ever get around to doing merchandise, I think I'm going to have to do a fork. (laughs) At at the pointy end, it'll have the word you, and on the handle, it will have me. Um, You know, when we make things, we usually have a purpose for them in mind. Mm, Uh, mm. We come up with things to address a weakness or a flaw in our existing technology. Sometimes they're addressing a juicing issue that no one actually had and they still get funding. (laughs) But it's the same with social media and their infamous content algorithms. Uh, They're often used to create an environment that nudges us to spend more time online, Mm. more specifically on the site or on that site and within that company's ecosystem because that's what their business is. Their business is grabbing our attention and maintaining it for as long as they possibly can. You think people are starting to realise where they are in the value chain and they just don't like it? Yeah, I think so. For a while, people have realised that there is a significant imbalance of power in this relationship. And you are correct. We are essentially at the wrong end of the value chain. We're not being treated like trusted or valued customers. To use the analogy I've used on the show before, we are the cattle in a dairy farm. Mm -hmm. We're the product that's being groomed for market, the ones who are being sold to the actual customer. We shouldn't be in this situation, but I don't think all or nothing approaches help either. You know, it's not a reason for us to turn our backs on technology. Mm. Well, you've heard it here first, man. Armitage is not having a cow. When we come back, more animals that Matt won't have here on Matt's Bing, BFM 89.9. Building First World Mindsets, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Sandu, together with Culture Pop's Matt Armitage. Now, before the break, we were talking about the tech industry's lemming-like response to consumer confidence. So, Matt, why shouldn't we just give up on technology? Technology gives us access to such colossal amounts of information, uh, and that information should be empowering us. It should be making us more able to influence other people's decisions over us, but somehow 
it makes us feel more hopeless and more mm. helpless. Mm. But if you turn your back on that information, you lose any influence that you have over the people who are manipulating and gaming the system against you. Your best defense really is in knowing what they're doing and working out how to deal with any abuses or overreach. Mm. I know this is a kind of simplistic argument, but <laughs> this is only a 30-minute segment. Um, <laughs> Because once you opt out of the system, you become a passive rider. Yeah. The people mm, who have mm. the information and the power will still be making decisions that affect your life. Can't we just separate our online and offline lives? Well, we kind of imagine there's this huge mm. gulf between what we do online and offline, but there really isn't. Yeah, just yeah. because you're the one who's not using the technology doesn't mean that you're not part of the system. So on last week's show, we were talking about Amazon's cloud. Mm. Uh, that was when I was with Rich. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, even if you're not someone who uses Amazon's web services, every time you buy something in a supermarket, you're probably being indirectly sucked up into the AWS market because the people you are buying the food from or the people that they're buying the mm. food supplies from, mm. someone in that chain is probably using Amazon's cloud services. So as we see this increasing amount of automation, we are being forced towards these technology solutions, whether we like it or not. Can we redress that balance? Like maybe, you know, shift the focus back towards more traditional companies and structures? Well, if we look at the companies that are the engines of the global economy, uh, when we look at the way stock markets have performed over the last few years, especially in the US, it's the technology sector that has largely propelled that upward path of the various market indices. Traditional companies are not faring so well. So if we were to remove the influence of those technology companies, mm. our economies would be in much worse shape than they are now. Our best hope, in my opinion, is to influence and help shape this new generation of companies. Mm. There seems to be a growing number of former tech evangelists who are also re-evaluating re their position with social media and other parts of the digital revolution. Yeah, there were a couple of mm. uh, interesting pieces on the Guardian website over the uh, last weekend that mm. are definitely worth reading. Um, one is by a guy called James Williamson. It's based on his new book, Stand Out of Our Light, where he argues that devices like smartphones have become tools that are used to trap us uh, and in a way rob us of our free will and drive us physically to distraction. The second is by Jaron Lanier, uh, again, based on his new book, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Right Now. That's a pretty self-explanatory mm. title. I don't think I need to tell people what it's about. Uh, ironically, it's a title that's designed to appeal to the BuzzFeed generation, which I'm sure is an irony that Lanier hasn't overlooked. Um, yeah. Broadly speaking, his article echoes a lot of the things that we've been saying on the show, although he says it in a rather more succinct <laughs> way. Uh, he also focuses attention on the way that companies like Facebook and Google make their money, mm. which means that if I wanted to write a book about this subject, there's no point <laughs> because Lanier got there first and his version is undoubtedly better. So thank you for that, Jared. He also points out that despite the attention and praise we lavish on the uh, business model and mm. its cleverness in in delivering profits, it doesn't actually work for most companies. A lot of smaller tech companies um, use various aspects of the model to greater or lesser effect. But the real big daddies like Apple or Amazon stay away mm. from that free funding model completely. Mm. Now, I know you've said this time and time again that you don't think it's time to delete social media accounts. When someone like Jaron Lanier advocates it, doesn't it just give you like a pause for thought or like, you know, push you to change your mind instead? Well, 
For those of you who don't know who Jaron Lanier is, mm. he's kind of the unicorn of the tech scene, uh, not in the sense that he's made huge amounts of money. As far as I know, he still works for mm -hmm. a living. Mm. More that he's one of those amazing people who manages to be in exactly the right place when hugely important things are made or created. Check out his uh, Wikipedia page or bio if you don't believe me. I mean, it's just an astonishing list. Mm. He's also one of the most entertaining speakers I've seen. And when you're talking about technology, it's really hard to be entertaining, <laughs> as listeners to uh, the show will know. The one it, listener yeah, we exactly. have. <laughs> it can go very badly wrong. So Lanier puts up a compelling argument, but I don't think we're at that point yet. As I said before, I think that disconnecting from the services is probably the wrong move because it simply hands the power over to other people. Mm, mm. You know, it's better to have some skin in the game as people say. Mm. What about James Williamson's position that devices themselves are part of the problem? Well, I think the way we use our digital devices and social media are very much a reflection of the way that we want to communicate with people. Uh, it's true that we give a disproportionate amount of attention to the trollers and the idiots because social media is set up to grab your attention. So it favors attention-seeking people. Beyond that, though, I think we have a fundamental need to communicate with other people. And yes, you can do that in person, mm. but technology has enabled us to communicate in dozens of other ways. And that's kind of the point. There's always technology involved somewhere when we communicate with someone else. It might be sitting on a chair uh, across a table with someone. It might be because you've had to walk through a door. <laughs> it might be that you've taken a horse and cart to get to the person, <laughs> or you might be using a smartphone. There's mm. always technology involved. Uh, you can look at the, the humble telephone, the predecessor of the smartphone, <laughs> but when it was invented on several different and separate occasions, its inventors never really considered that it would be used for leisure purposes. Mm. In the same way that you didn't send telegrams to find out if Aunt Mary had baked another batch of brownies and ask what her recipe was, you never considered the telephone would be used in that way either. Mm. This is where I say another one of those things that people aren't going to like. The problem isn't with the technology. The problem is with us. I think we all expected you to say that. It man. doesn't make it any less true. You know, we can invent things far faster than society can adapt to mm. them. Uh, we're coming up with new ways to communicate far faster than we're coming up with the norms of behavior to govern them. And that's one of the reasons I don't think it's time to disconnect. We want to communicate. We want to find out what our friends are up to. So if we delete Facebook, we're going to look for something else to replace that service. And if you simply have another service that replicates the mistakes that Facebook made or adopts the behaviors that you didn't like about that service, then what's the point? Mm. Uh, will, people still be, will people still be trolling in 20 years' time? Of course, there are always uh, some people who set out to cause trouble mm -hmm. in the same way that every backstreet <laughs> pub has a drunk who wants to start a fight with you. You know, there are primeval forces that you simply can't overcome. But overall, no, I think the online world will be a much more civil and polite and fulfilling place. I don't think people will spend so much time in echo chambers. We mm. will still be watching a lot of cat videos, <laughs> okay. however. Dogs, not so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why I think the calls to delete and disconnect are a little bit short-sighted. I think they show a generational divide as much as anything else. In the get-your-haircut sense. kind of. Yeah, yeah, especially amongst the people who were the architects of this technology. You know, people get angry when they perceive that something is being misused. But looking at it as misuse, I think, is an incorrect perception. In, in what way? 
In the same way that there was once a generation of parents uh, who believed that their children's rock music would break the stereo system, <laughs> you know, that somehow this horrendous music would warp and destroy the machinery that played it. Mm. But when you listen back to those 1950s and 1960s rock records now, um, people like Elvis Presley and Bill Haley, mm. think how tame they sound yeah. compared to the music that came after. Compare Love Me Tender to Skrillex, <laughs> for example. <laughs> but it's the same with the internet and digital tech. Mm. The pioneers are now in their 40s and 50s and sometimes older. How they envisage the digital revolution is not the way a group of teenagers view it now. And it shouldn't be. If they did, it would mean that tastes and culture were standing still. If adults understand what kids are talking about, then, you know, there's something wrong with the world. Mm -hmm. You think a lot of the problem is with our technology becoming their technology? Well, when you're a pioneer, it's kind of hard to give up the reins. It's hard to believe that your opinion isn't worth what it once was or that that opinion is less relevant. I'm a middle-aged guy and I have to accept that a lot of new technology isn't for me. It doesn't belong mm, mm, to me. Mm. The difference is that I want the next generation to take it somewhere else, to do something else with it, to make it better than it is, even if the cost of that is that I feel isolated from it. What gives you hope? Well, I've said this before, and it's the connection that this newer generation feels to social causes, that their activism goes beyond what we understand as traditional politics, and it doesn't follow the usual left-right divide. Um, there was a recent story about engineers at Google signing a petition and starting to agitate inside the company to prevent Google from taking on defense industry contracts. Now, I'm not so interested in the political aspect. Some people think it's fine to do defense industry work. Some people mm. don't. That's not really the issue. What's interesting is that the workforce is saying that they have a set of beliefs and moral positions that they believe the management of the company should follow. And that's quite an incredible thing. It's not a story that we often hear. Uh, we tend to hear stories about how fragile and impermanent jobs are and how scared people are to speak out. Mm. But here you have a group of people who are essentially putting their careers on the line because they think the company is acting in a way that they believe to be unacceptable. And that's really cool. I think we're going to hear a lot more stories like that in the future. And that's why I called today's show Don't Give Up. Wow, you know, it's like whenever I go away, you come back feeling all positive. In this show, you're ending on a high. <laughs> yeah, I, I am, yeah. Um, <laughs> Something's changed in Mad Armitage. Yeah. This is the air, is the water, no idea. Something's yeah. changed. <laughs> I may not be back again. <laughs> Culture Pops, Matt Armitage. Uh, we'll be back with Geek Squawks after this. Also, don't forget you can check out culturepop.com for transcripts of the show. And of course, you can find out how to bring a little bit of Matt's planning to your company. We'll be right back after this. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.